you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber, coming to you live from separate locations. We are coming off the highest level for the S&P post-COVID. And although futures are red, jobless claims continue to moderate. 1.8 million is the lowest in 10 weeks. Airlines and casinos continue to reopen. Of course, the ECB expands their emergency purchases. Oil's just below 37. Uh, but, Jim, you know, we're going to keep our eye on COVID news, obviously. We're going to keep our eye on the protests and the fallout uh, from uh, George Floyd. But the market and stocks, as you said, are focused on economic activity, period. Yeah, I mean, we just keep getting some good news here. Uh, and it's good news off of very lowered expectations, whether it be cheesecake getting a lot more people than the people thought, or whether it be the airlines this morning, Americans saying some good things, whether it be eBay pre-announcing right now that things are better than expected, whether uh, you take a look at, uh, at a lot of the companies, that, you know, a note out of Morgan Stanley, that GM, of course, this quarter was the weakest, but maybe next quarter will be the strongest. Uh, we have a number of oil recommendations saying this, you know, they've come all the way back. So uh, the street is really bullish uh, after being very bearish. You see a lot of price targets that were cut severely are now going back up. Uh, it's a kind of don't fight the trend. We're the most overbought we've been since 2009. But if you go back to 2009, we were up, up 11 on the offset or I follow S&P. We had, we had a great period after. So I, I just people are fighting the tape if they're selling. How about that? That's what they're doing. They're fighting the tape. David, you see it. Uh, you saw it yesterday with your excellent Warner Music uh, interview. Uh, there's an IPO that people yeah. made a fortune on. Yeah, that stock up dramatically over 19 percent as the day wore along and only got better, Jim. At the same time, as my day goes along and I have conversations with people who advise corporations, what I continue to hear is companies planning for layoffs. We're planning to make permanent some of the some of the furloughs that have taken place. I mean, Jim, I'm, I just can't get past what I sort of pick up during the course of the day and how the S&P is performing and whether or not we're going to have an unemployment rate that is higher than people perhaps seem to expect, at least judging and reflecting from what the S&P is right now or how these two things coexist. And I keep coming to you with the same question. And I don't know, because then the answer you get from all the investors you talk to as well is just about the Fed. That's it. It's just got to just be about the Fed. It's just about cheap money. There's nowhere else to go. Blah, blah, you know, the usual. We have to break things down. I mean, this morning, for instance, Royal Caribbean, good company. They just raised $2 billion at 5% money. Now, Royal Caribbean doesn't even cruise. But before the Fed got involved... Um, you would say that Royal Caribbean should be in Chapter 11. Chapter 11, you have 5% convert. Uh, that is Jay Powell. I mean, anybody who's in business who is a larger cap company uh, can get money. And they can get money at relatively good prices. And we know that's Powell. Uh, when I see what Europe's doing, we say, okay, they're doing their own Malcolm X by any means necessary plan. But it, it is so hard to fight the fact that any company can raise money uh, and, and that we've only had Hertz 
be, and that was, of course, a little self-inflicted, We've in, in what may be a Great Depression, Great Depression, too, in terms of employment, only Hertz has had to file Chapter 11. And I don't even know whether they end up being chapter. Right. I mean, they actually may be back in business by now. So it's an amazing time. Carl, I've got to tell you, if you didn't know any better, you would think that happy days are around the corner. And yet Dave is absolutely right. I think everyone at these major banks is trying to figure out how few they, people they need to uh, bring back if they ever go and come back. Um, yeah. I mean, well, after ADP yesterday, Jim, Goldman had a note that suggested the number uh, implies – uh, significant rehiring. And although continuing claims were a little bit troubling, uh, you could argue that the jobless claims number shows exactly that, that people, at least to some degree, are being asked to come back to work. Yeah, look, I, I think that, that when you see the notes, the notes tend to be, OK, uh, business was down 60, 70 percent and now it's down only 25 percent. Uh, the casinos, well, they were down, you know, they were closed. Now they're only off, say, 30% from where they were. And everyone is so happy that things are open that they tend to be taking stocks far higher than you would expect. Now, we do have a lot of apologists come on and say, well, look, stocks represent the future. But the fact is, is that maybe the stocks, if they represented the future a month ago, they got it wrong. Who's right? Who's wrong? I mean, if they represent the future, well, what that, the heck were they it, doing all the way down? It's funny you mention that because, um, speaking of about a month ago, it was May 13th that David Tepper went on the half with uh, the judge and said this was the second most overvalued market he'd seen uh, since 99. S&P's up 10.7% since then. So was Tepper wrong? Was he talking a book? Um, is the market well, mispriced or a combination of those three things? Well, I, I, I happen to know and love Dave. He's one of my teachers at Goldman. And I know that he adjusted his view, uh, not my view to say that he adjusted his view, but I just don't want him to be viewed as someone who uh, who necessarily got it wrong. He has always been a person who adjusts. He was very bullish, for instance, until he heard about the novel coronavirus. And instead of just saying, well, the heck with that, I'm very bullish, he pivoted and said it was a game changer. So uh, I think that, that uh, looking at Tep- Tepper is, is someone who, when the facts change, he changes too, and he did get more bullish. Uh, and I think that one of the reasons why you could get more bullish is that the banks stopped going down. Uh, and the banks, as you know, David, when the banks stopped going down, when Wells Fargo went yeah. from 22 to upgrade it today, that's why I mention it, uh, what you start thinking yep. is, wait a second, Deutsche Bank is saying Wells Fargo is time to swap out of Goldman to Wells, that maybe the pressure is off the system. And maybe uh, Costco last night, I mean, think about what Costco did. They instituted a mask policy, okay? They had to be risking rolling the dice. Everyone had to wear a mask, associates, people coming in. And what happens? They blew away the numbers. So there's pent-up demand everywhere, and there's not a lot of resistance to uh, even the companies that want to wear masks, even though, as we see in the South, that masks seem to be struck and verboten. No, agree. And listen, Wells is an interesting company to focus on because you and I were having a conversation about it when it was an over 9% yield. And the market value, I think, was hovering around $89 billion. It's up almost $30 billion in market cap since then. Uh, obviously, the stock's still down, what, 36% over the last 12 months. But Jim, this market seems to be saying we are going to have a V or in the, or in yes. the midst of a V recovery when I still don't find that many people in the business world who believe that. Now, that said, typically CEOs tend to be bad at prognosticating 
Uh, we can all see that from the Business Council and their surveys every year. But we're saying the market seems to be saying a V. N- numbers next year are not going to be what they were in 2019. So clearly we're willing to accept a higher multiple. Right. I understand the S&P is weighed very heavily by the huge market caps of Microsoft and Apple and Amazon um, uh, that are and Facebook that are doing so incredibly well. But I don't know, man. We're also heading into an election season and we've got huge social unrest in the country. I mean, who knows? And we're going to have an unemployment rate that's still probably going to be double digits by the end of the year. I'm well, just I, I, at least trying to, you know, all the people on Twitter are going to be like, you're so negative. Blah, blah, blah. I, oh, I'm just I know. They trying want to, to embrace sort of what you hear. <laughs> I, I said I was going to take a break from Twitter because I said something that was quizzical about one particular stock and suddenly the. You know, the, the, the hordes came down on me because oh, the, yeah, the, you get the, it worse than anybody. Well, I've, the speculative nature of this market is extraordinary, too. Uh, they, every day they seem to run. You know, we used to call it Dave in the old days. They're running a stock and they're and I'm not going to mention the right. stocks that they're running because that just verifies that the that, that we see what they're doing. But I, I come back and I say again, while we were talking, eBay pre-announces. So then you start saying, well, if eBay's doing well, then perhaps we have to take a look at and then you go to Shopify. And I've got Shopify on tonight. Maybe Shopify's doing well. Well, hold it just a second. Let's raise numbers Amazon. But did you see the Apple note about how well Apple uh, TV, Apple Plus is starting to do? And the next thing you know, you say, like, hey, wait a second, FedEx raised price. I guess demands might be so bad. And Spirit Air is tripling service out of southern Florida. I give up. Up, go buy Delta. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're going to have Phil Bow later Delta. on this morning, Jim, hey, talking about these airline schedules, which are getting more and more aggressive. Virgin Atlantic is going to start running some routes uh, back to JFK in Orlando. But David's uh, David's right, Jim. I mean, in terms of political risk, we saw the Mattis statement yesterday about the president. Just a remarkable statement to come from a former defense secretary. We got Snapchat uh, no longer promoting the president's snaps, obviously the ongoing conversation about Twitter and Facebook and and the protests themselves. I mean, at some point, will the market price it in? Maybe not because of uh, uh, economic activity, but the prospect of a Biden win. And as we've said before, the implications for what taxes may do as a result. Right. Well, General Mattis, I went to hear him at his book party that was given by Mayor Bloomberg uh, and I spoke with him both after, but also when he spoke. And I said, are you going to say something about your period with President Trump? And he said, absolutely not. That is not my job. I'm not going to do that. He said it several times. Well, obviously, he did say something this time. Uh, I I know a lot of people who, like me, respect General Mattis, particularly for what he did with the battle for Fallujah. Uh, and you would think that maybe that could that could resonate with someone. I don't know if it'll resonate because it just seems that uh, there's a lot of Teflon on everybody. Uh, I when it, when it comes to trying to figure out uh, the uh, the unemployment, let me give you I'm going to give you an off the wall thesis as someone who absolutely loves small business and medium sized businesses. Who's left after they deemed uh, so many businesses not essential? Are the companies that are viewed essential and how well have they done? How well is the Lowe's done? How how well is a Home Depot uh, target? I mean, when you wipe out all the competition, maybe you should raise the multiple of all the companies that you didn't wipe out. Maybe that's what's happening. I'm, I'm searching. OK, yeah. I'm searching. It's not easy. Uh, uh, no. By the way, in the things that Carl mentioned, of course, that we've gone over this morning, we, we I think we haven't really talked about the pandemic. I think that's still going on. The pandemic. Uh, I don't know. One point eight million cases, one hundred and seven thousand deaths. And we're still adding new cases at roughly. You know, again, it's coming off very low bases in these states that are going up very low. But 
I, I, I don't know. Uh, not to mention, right. of course, the stuff with China is getting worse and worse every single day. I'm just saying. That's all. Just, just Look, put it out there, Social distancing, are you seeing it anymore? I mean, we're all anecdotal about these things. But social distancing, maybe it was six feet. Now it seems like it's three feet. Uh, mass, I carry one. People think it's Halloween. That's crazy. Uh, but, yeah, David, you're right. You mentioned a litany of things that are bad. And I, I caught myself yawning but then realized I could be on TV. <laughs> I know. Nobody cares. That's all right. Listen. Great. Good. Yeah. Uh, guys, there's a lot to digest today. Uh, we're going to talk more uh, about the casinos. Obviously, as Vegas has its first reopening and occupancy rates, according to some reports, better than expected. It is the anniversary of Tiananmen Square. As David said, we're getting some ha- headlines regarding protests in Hong Kong and the markets themselves. The S&P with its Best 50-day rally since we went to a five-day trading week back in 52. We're back in a minute. Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Gambling and crowds return to Las Vegas today as several casinos and hotels reopen on the Strip. Our Contessa Brewer has that story. Hi, Contessa. I would go with lots of casinos and hotels reopening on the Strip. As the clock struck midnight, instead of going home, oh, Cinderella showed up for the party. Downtown Vegas casinos, the D and Golden Gate, were among the first to reopen at the stroke of midnight. With strict social distancing and sanitation rules in place, casinos are beginning to throw open their doors again. After two and a half months closed, reservations came flooding in with such unexpected demand MGM and Caesars reopened third properties each. Mark Bath is bringing his wife and daughter to win Las Vegas for a long weekend, hitting the sportsbook to bet on horses at the Belmont and taking comfort in safety precautions. I'm also comfortable because I don't think as many people will show up. So, you know, we'll take advantage of the pool and the whole area. Moody's forecasts gaming earnings to plunge some 70 percent below 2019 levels in the next 12 months, partly because of social distancing, limiting capacity. But of course, so many people have lost their jobs and their income, guys, that um, they will be less likely to splurge on gaming. Another issue here is the willingness to travel. Exclusive new data from CNBC and Change Research shows this could be a potential problem for Vegas casinos. Sixty percent of the people surveyed think taking a flight right now is unsafe. 37% think it's unsafe to stay in a hotel. But of course, reopening can't happen fast enough for Las Vegas workers with an unemployment rate in April above 33%, by far the highest of any major American city. And normally the driving crowd accounts for about half of Las Vegas visitation. For now, they'll likely be driving the bulk of the revenue though tourism officials expect increasing air travel through summer. Carl. Okay, Tess, let me just ask you a quick question. Uh, I think that you and I both know uh, Matt Maddox from Wynn, and I think it's important to point out this man did not open idly. He hired Johns Hopkins. He's hired the best. Can you just speak to how Matt Maddox at Wynn is not rolling the dice here when it comes to safety? 
Number one, he's had a lot of experience because, remember, they had to shut down Macau before any of the shutdowns happened in Las Vegas and reopen with a lot of regulation there. Two, he was the first CEO from a casino to lay out and publicly do so what his detailed plans were for reopening, how he was going to keep employees safe. They've actually partnered with the medical center there in Las Vegas to bring testing on site at Wynn Las Vegas so that their employees are safe. It was extremely detailed and set the bar so high for the rest of the casinos and gaming regulators to follow. Yeah, it was a remarkable document when it came out, uh, and it's amazing that we're finally at this day. Contessa, we'll check in with you a lot today. Thanks, Contessa Brewer, on Vegas' reopening. Sure. Opening bells coming up in just about uh, 10 minutes, so stick with Squ- Squawk on the Street. We're back in a moment. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big-picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Welcome back. You may have seen some of the headlines. Jim, you mentioned it briefly, but it is worth coming back to eBay raising guidance, of course, and the stock does appear to be poised for a nice move higher. Yeah, it's pretty substantial, David. I mean, people were thinking about they were going to make, say, 73 to 80 cents. Well, it looks like you're going to make $1.02 to $1.06 for the quarter. That is really a big raise. Uh, revenue for the second quarter, people were thinking that, uh, 2.38. Now they're looking 2.75 to 2.80. And this is the kind of uh, it's global the mer- merchandise uh, being terrific. David, this is the kind of thing that really gets the juices going. What people say is, look at this. This is one, a stock that's been moribund. You had noticed it the other day that it's been sneaking up. Uh, this is part of the yep. online phenomenon of people staying home and people ordering. And it just shows you uh, that stocks that have been left for dead are very much alive and make people more bullish than they would be otherwise. Yeah. Remember, there's been a change in CEO. Of course, you've got a new CEO in there. He used to run Walmart's e-commerce business. Yes. You've got the classifieds, the classifieds business still for sale, that auction going on. I'm trying to get an update on that because we're getting into June now when they expected to, uh, to potentially get closer to an end there in terms of finding a buyer. And then they had the great sale of StubHub. Don't forget, Jim. I mean, talk about timing and just getting lucky. Uh. A couple of months, and they wouldn't have had anybody buy that thing. Oh, and I thought that they didn't get enough because I was looking at Live Nation, but all the cops. I mean, it really didn't matter. Once you decided that there should be no entertainment uh, in sports, you don't want to be the guy who's the ticket broker for no entertainment and no sports. But hope springs eternal, David. Yeah. But what a nice quarter quarter coming. Yeah, and a big move up in the stock, of course. As we get closer to an opening bell, we'll keep an eye on eBay shares. As you saw, perhaps as much as a 10% gain there. What's in store for the overall market? We'll have that when we come back. Opening bell, eight minutes away.
boards. Most of the boards still are um, have zero <laughs> or one African American on the board, and that I think that pressure in that area can help to speed up progress and transitions for for companies. And then you can and starting from the bottom as well. But I think you really have to start looking. We have to start looking more seriously at board um, uh, composition and ensuring that we have the presence of difference on the board, the uh, uh, direct voice on the board. That's Ursula Burns on Closing Bell uh, last night, guys, uh, talking about solutions. Uh, and we've heard all kinds of suggestions, Jim, about employment and training and hiring. Uh, but you can't leave board composition out of that conversation. No, you can. Uh, and it, by the way, it's not just minorities. Women are radically underrepresented uh, in general on boards. And I think that boards, uh, there are boards that are just basically the bastion of the old days, uh, all white men. Uh, and I think that they have to be called out for it. I think we it's our job to do so. I, I uh, at one point we ran a, a company called BoardX, which is similar to a company we're going to be interviewing today. And I was astounded at how many companies still had all white male boards or boards with one woman, uh, no minorities that sold to to sold in industries uh, where the customers were uh, minorities represented. And, and I just, it's also bad for business is what I'm saying. It's a uh, it's shameful, but it's also bad for business. And I, I don't really get it other than it's the old way and the old way uh, of our parents and grandparents. I thought that had, I wish that had gone away. I thought it had gone away. I mean, David, you and I talk about this. I mean, didn't you think that certain mores had gone away? Yeah, I mean, you'd like to think so, but we've, we've learned otherwise. And I think your point on boards is, is a very good one. You know, sometimes we seem to cycle into that and then we sort of move on from it. But diversity on boards, I think almost every study shows that companies benefit from it, even their share prices and their return to shareholders benefits from having a diversity on the board. And it's so important. Uh, there are still quite a few boards that just do not reflect um, our society at large. They just don't. Yeah, it, it's very disappointing. But I think that what happens is it's really up to us to point it out because they skate. You know, Carl, they, they, who is really uh, protesting? I, I think maybe after this terrible incident in Minneapolis, maybe it's time to open the file, take a look at how those companies have done and, and call them out. Why not? They're wrong. We should call them. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, others have pointed out. I mean, I think Tom Friedman uh, the other day said Minneapolis, where he's from, has actually been a bastion of progressive American yeah. companies uh, like uh, like Target uh, and others, uh, 3M, who have tried to make real strides. And you would you would want to see that continue in companies that are headquartered in other cities as well. Uh, but I think it's been impressive, Jim. You know, Arnie Sorensen on Mar- uh, from Marriott earlier this morning uh, with his blog post over the weekend. And it's clear that leaders of very large companies, even those that don't have uh, large African-American constituencies or employment bases, are thinking hard about this issue. Uh, yeah, it's so good you mentioned that. I find that the CEOs have become uh, the consciences of uh, America, even if the market itself has no conscience. Uh, there are so many CEOs who are speaking out. Uh, and they're united. Uh, speaking of General Mattis, uh, the, the CEOs that have, we have not heard any CEOs come on that I've I've heard. Maybe they have and said we have to condemn both the uh, the violent and the protesters themselves. Uh, I have found that the CEOs are 
uh, particularly open versus what I used to hear when I was much younger uh, toward what the protesters have to say and are sympathetic to what the protesters have to say. Uh, something, again, we have to stay on. A lot of these CEOs used to be afraid to comment. I mean, Arnie Sorensen is such I used to think he was a, a lone, brave person. I think he's inspired other people to talk out. He he's sensational. OK, sensational. Man. Yeah. There's the bell, guys. Uh, at the NYSE, it is MGM Resorts International celebrating the reopening of the Bellagio and MGM Grand in Vegas. At the Nasdaq, celebrating its IPO, as we said earlier, Zoom Info Technologies. We'll talk to the CEO in a few moments. Jim, though, on Vegas, uh, you know, talking to Contessa a minute ago, we got the flight schedules uh, from American and United. Uh, we can't forget about Orlando, which continues to reopen. And then Leesman's got this great dashboard of indicators looking at Yelp store openings, new infections, um, baselines going back to, to March and even January. And you're looking at some of the best numbers on a relative basis that we've seen so far in this era. Right. There, look, there's no doubt that things are better and that I think one of the things that's happened, it's very interesting to hear what Contessa said about flying because those numbers don't lie. But uh, I am I, I've been checking on my own about flights and there are additional flights being added every day. Uh, they do not add flights idly. The one thing that I find is very interesting, guys, is that this quarantine policy that the United States has, where if you come back from overseas, it's two weeks self-quarantine. That has been, and any, any country that quarantines, that's been the big gating to, uh, to international, where they make a, a fortune. I'm waiting to see if our government uh, decides to uh, go easy on the two-week quarantine. Uh, maybe you think it shouldn't, but that has been a major reason why uh, tourism has not opened up. Go to Italy, you come back, you got to self-quarantine, guys. Is anybody keeping an eye on that, though? Like, that's just, uh, that's just the honor system, Jim? Well, I don't know. I was going to go, and I felt that if I came on TV, people <laughs> might say that I'm not quarantined. Is it an honor system? You know, I think that there are people who are, uh, anyone who goes knows the policy because your, your travel agent tells you. And what it does is basically say that you got to take a three-week vacation. And there's not many people in America can do that. I mean, maybe you can self-quarantine. And you know, working at a, a home office maybe is considered self-quarantine. So maybe that's how you get around yes. it. But I do think that as long as there are quarantines, you, there will be people who are worried that they'll be seen doing things and going places. Uh, and I do think that you're flagged. If you're flagged coming back from, from a foreign country, you really don't want to violate any of the rules. Yeah. Yeah. Um, guys, a couple of stocks we're keeping an eye on at 8 a.m. or so this morning. I, I, uh, I put a tweet out about the Department of Justice signing off on the uh, acquisition of TD Ameritrade by Charles Schwab. Remember that deal announced back on November 25th, along with another deal that we'll talk about, LVMH and Tiffany. But uh, TD Ameritrade shares are up about 4%. Schwab also up. Remember, there's a ratio there, of course. I think it's 1.08. And there was some concern about these registered investment advisors, uh, many of which are on the Schwab platform and a good amount are also on the TD Ameritrade platform. But apparently DOJ feeling that that was not a significant violation in some way. No real conditions here, even though they did, of course, get a second request. Shareholder vote coming up. Uh, expected close, Jim, on this. Uh, they've been saying the second half. Mm-hmm. TD Ameritrade or Schwab put out an 8K acknowledging the DOJ has essentially cleared it. They don't say anything, but they are um, they are resting their case, so to speak. And uh, uh, this thing is uh, going to close soon. 
Well, look, I, I, I don't I think there's so many different brokers. I don't think this is at all like cell phones where I'm still uh, unless there's big spending by 5G for uh, by T-Mobile and Sprint. I question that one. But this this is a heavily competitive industry. And uh, think about that. But I got in uh, trading costs a fortune and you would never want to flip anything because you wouldn't make any money. And now trading costs nothing. And uh, you've got an outfit like Robinhood disruptive with more than 10 million customers that truly makes it so that you're not worried about uh, rising prices. So I think the Justice Department is on the mark on this one. Uh, it is it is cheaper than it's ever been to trade in history. It's pretty kind of cool. We have a lot of yeah, traders. It by is kind of cool. A lot of a lot of younger people really run it uh, bagging, gunning and liquidating stocks. It's a little dis- disheartening to see all the one to three dollar stocks that people are gunning. But it, look, it's not my judge. If you want to try to make money and it's legal, that's fine. But it's not investing. Right. Um, guys, I'd mentioned, of course, November 25th, those halcyon days of 2019 that we look uh, back on. Uh, yeah. Uh, that same day, uh, LVMH also announced it's a, it's a deal to acquire Tiffany. Of course, it had been rumored for some time. Others had reported on the possibility of a 135 a share in cash. Yesterday, I spent some time talking about uh, the possibility of LVMH uh, trying to potentially renegotiate, get a price cut. Um, and we got a statement from uh, from LVMH, uh, well, overnight for us, but their morning. Um, and here it is. And then let me give you some sense as to what really is going on here as well. Uh, the statement was simp- uh, pretty straightforward, but there's an odd part of it. Uh, the board of directors of LVMH met on Tuesday, uh, June 2nd, uh, and notably focused its attention on the development of the pandemic and its potential impact on the results and perspectives of Tiffany and company with respect to the agreement that links the two groups. They did go on to say, though, that considering the recent market rumors, LVMH confirms on this occasion that it is not considering buying Tiffany shares on the market. Now, nobody had been talking about the possibility of them buying shares in the market, at least not for a couple of months. That was around. And in fact, LVMH, I believe, was investigating the possibility initially when we saw and were visiting the lows on the broader markets back in March. Uh, and Tiffany was trading well below the 135. The idea being that, well, maybe they can at least cheapen it for themselves uh, by buying some stock. Um, right now, they're not even in a position to do that. Um, Tiffany knew about the board meeting. They shared material, non-public information on their current financials with LVMH's board, which would make it even impossible for them to even consider it. But it was an odd addition here uh, to this statement that basically just continues to fan the flames of that possibility that LVMH would try in some way to arrest a price concession or even say, we're not doing this. Now, I can tell you that on the Tiffany side of things, uh, people familiar with their thinking tell me if in any way, shape or form, LVMH tries to propose a price cut or or anything else, they're going to go to court. A contract is a contract. This one seems to be fairly tight, although, again, in these matters, there is always uh, questions as to just how tight. But they will end up in Delaware. Now, is that just a threat or is that the reality? We'll have to wait and see. But it's very much unclear exactly what Bernard Arnault, the man who runs LVMH, the richest man in Europe, of course, is truly thinking here, other than the possibility of sort of taking things slowly, seeing if these guys 
breach any covenants at all under the merger agreement and or seeing whether there's a possibility of a price cut. But uh, I can tell you uh, that at this point, the Tiffany side, first of all, has heard nothing about that. They were aware of the statement coming out. In fact, they need to be uh, told about these potential statements and they were aware of it. They were well aware of the board meeting. Uh, They have not in any way received any notice of a a desire to cut the price or anything else for the deal. Uh, And they are prepared to go to court at the first sight of that, is what I'm told. Very much unclear whether Bernard Arnault wants to be in court in Delaware. Uh, You know, these contracts, Jim, left and right, people are just trying to say, you know, don't worry about it. It's just a contract. Come on. Uh, But we'll see. One could fully understand, given the performance of the business, why they'd want to cut the price. But whether or not they're going to be in a position to remains very much uncertain. The first thing I thought of when you did this story, David, was is Tiffany paying rent? And I say that because Simon Property is suing Gap over skipped rent payments. And we know Gap can pay. I mean, they they're a real company. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, but hey, listen, it's rent. I mean, do we really focus on rent? I mean, don't isn't that a whole point forgiveness? So I'd like to know what Tiffany's got some very high rent places. Is Tiffany going to have to renegotiate if uh, LVMH doesn't buy another litigate? But. There's a lot of stuff in flux in retail that we don't talk about, including the inability of a lot of retailers to think that they, you know, that they got to pay up. Uh, it is incredible to me how many how many retailers have skipped. Uh, and uh, I know yeah. Mickey Drexler yeah. talked this morning including, about them, but whoa. yeah, in, including LVMH, which apparently didn't pay rent in certain areas. We know they can. I, I believe <laughs> Tiffany was paying. Um, But it goes to the point that if there's an opportunity for them to take advantage of, perhaps they will try and take advantage of it. And in this case, of course, the question is whether the uh, lack of performance at Tiffany's business, given the pandemic, given everything that's going on, will give them some sort of reason. Right now, they don't have one under the contract. They really don't, uh, it would appear. And again, there are plenty of lawyers pouring over these things who conceivably can try to find some sort of hole. But if you give it enough time, perhaps they do. Maybe that's in part what's going on here. But this statement did nothing to calm nerves at the same time. We seem to understand what the game may be on the on the LVMH side. You know, see if it's possible. Hey, if I can get a billion off, why wouldn't I try? Right, Jim? Uh, absolutely. I, I don't blame him one bit. Obviously, a contract's a contract, but uh, I'd love to know who the lawyers are here because that would often determine. We know sometimes the lawyers get it right, David, right? Yeah. Well, listen, that's why the lawyers were important in drawing things up. And this contract is a pretty tight one. Um in this environment, there's a lot of concern about existing deals. We've talked about as well about Taubman and Simon, contract of which is seen as just as tight exactly. as it could possibly be. It doesn't mean that people or investors aren't going to continue to be concerned as we watch Tiffany shares sort of languish 20 bucks below uh, the price. Of course, they're still a ways away uh, from being anywhere near closing it. It could be August, September in terms of the antitrust approvals, and that's kind of slow moving. Uh, including Australia, where apparently they need approvals as well. Carl, over to you. Uh, well, if you don't Actually, worry, I think Jim's going to take Sorry. A, I'm yeah. going to go into yeah. Zoom. I'm fascinated by that Tiffany because there's a Tiffany near us downtown. And uh, I always felt, well, wait a second. No one's really going there. But you know what? They do have a great franchise with that box, the Robin's Egg box. 
All right, we got we have a uh, look. The IPO market is coming back, and this is a really important reason why the bank stocks have done well. That Warner Music that David talked about yesterday, it's up again. We've got Zoom Info set to go public this very morning, and we have CEO Henry Shook joining us now. Zoom Info, by the way, is not Zoom Video, although they are customers. So, Henry, first congratulations. It's always a big deal. And then tell us how Zoom Info makes its money because your company seems to be everywhere behind the scenes in a, what we call a B2B situation. Thank you, Jim. It's wonderful to be here. It's wonderful to open the markets today. Uh, we're excited to, uh, to be one of the first technology companies to IPO. What Zoom Info does is it helps business-to-business salespeople and marketing people find their next customer. We do that through our platform that provides data and insights and technologies that helps sellers and marketers identify their next buyer, connect with them, know what to say when they engage with them, and do that in an efficient and effective way. Um, and our clients range everything from large Fortune 100 companies to small uh, SMBs. You know, it's funny. Uh, sometimes you have to use an, a kind of in-the-news example of what a company does in order to really get an understanding. I want you to talk about an outfit called Tencraft and how they were able to pivot and take advantage of the time because they wouldn't have been able to do it without Zoom Info. Tencraft is actually a great story of one of our customers. Tencraft makes a a tents, outdoor event tents, uh, for event venues. So if you're at the Taylor Swift concert, it's the big tent in the back. And the pandemic hit, and literally every event on the face of the earth was wiped out. And Tencraft came to us and they said, look, we think we can make these tents suitable for hospitals and healthcare facilities to do COVID-19 testing. But that's a completely different industry than what we've sold to. We don't know how many hospitals there are in the United States. We don't know who the decision makers are there. We don't know how to get a hold of them. Can you help us with that? And that really is exactly what the Zoom Info platform does. And we gave them access to the platform. In the first week, they sold to a hospital in Erie, Pennsylvania, then New Jersey, then Texas. And just last month, Tencraft had the largest revenue month in the history of their business. And what we're excited about Zoom in, what we're excited that Zoom Info is able to do is it's able to help SMB companies and mid-market companies and large enterprises find that next customer in the most efficient way. And Tencraft's just one example. We've seen other SMBs like uh, Arnold's Home Office Furniture and Silk Home, who were making uh, home fabrics and office furniture shift and pivot to making PPE. And same issue, they're in a new market, and that's what Zoom Info helps them do. One of the things that we love on uh, CNBC are success stories. Uh, We always think about Michael Dell in in his uh, college dorm uh, really doing a fantastic job. I think your background, this is a company that didn't just start yesterday. Your background is one that I think a lot of the is very inspirational to a lot of our viewers at a time when I find that a lot of people are either despairing or pretty down on the country or on various political issues. So why don't you just tell us your story, because I find that uplifting. Sure. Thank you, Jim. You know, I founded this business when I was 23 years old. Um, I put $25,000 on my credit card uh, with my co-founder, and we launched the business out of my law school dorm. Um, And we went to market trying to help sales and marketing people hit their number. And the business grew organically and profitably, profitably since then. But I think today, you know, there's no way this business is where it is today without the 1,300 employees across the globe who come in every single day focused on helping us, helping us hit our number, helping our customers hit our number. And, you know, I stand on their shoulders today, and, and I'm pretty excited about the team we've put together to attack what is a really large opportunity. But, yeah, I was 
it was fun to be 23 years old and um, and starting the company while I was in law school. As someone who has sold for a living and t- taught selling, I always felt if you had information, if you knew current information about how what company and who the trigger trigger pullers are, you could do quite well. But I could never get current information. How do you get current information for your clients? Yeah, th- we've built a robust engine of millions of unique sources that come into a machine learning and artificial intelligence engine that's making decisions every day about what to publish or not publish in our platform. Today, we cover over 14 million businesses and 120 million business professionals at those businesses. And that data, like you know, Jim, is constantly changing. Companies are growing, they're shrinking, they're hiring new employees, they're getting new CEOs, they're adding new technologies and removing old technologies, opening new locations, launching new products. And that machine learning engine that we've built, that artificial intelligence, is keeping track of all of those changes across billions of data points in real time at scale. And that's how we're able to bring those insights to our over 15,000 customers. I know that even a Zoom video, always trying to find customers, they went to you, a fast-growing outfit. And it shows me that the organic revenue growth that you have, well, not as Zoom has the best ever, but Zoom Info's <laughs> organic revenue growth and sales growth is pretty darn good too, isn't it? Yeah, and we're really proud of the metrics we've put together. We're growing the top line over 40%, and we're doing that with 47% adjusted operating income margins, which is rare to see in a technology company. Um, and so we're proud of those metrics, but really what's driving that is this go-to-market engine that we've built. Our sellers and our marketers and our account managers are all going to market on top of Zoom Info, and they're using our data, they're using our insights to find our next customer, and we're driving an incredible amount of efficiency in our operations by using Zoom Info. And we think we can offer that to the broader market as well. We can offer that to every company that sells to another company as a potential client of ours. That's over 700,000 companies across the globe. It's a $24 billion total addressable market that we sit right in the center of. And Henry, one last question. I think it's absolutely true that people are saying, ah, this sounds too good to be true. How do these guys make their money? You make your money in a very sticky way, don't you? Yeah, so our solution is sold as an annual subscription. We have packages for businesses of all sizes, but it's an annual or multi-year subscription that gives you access to our platform and our data and insights on your target market. Well, I've got to tell you, Henry Shook, uh, Zoom Info CEO, uh, I know this is a very important day for you. I thank you for sharing it with Squawk on the Street. Wish you the best of luck. you got a very exciting company. Thank you very much, Jim. We're excited to be on the public markets today. Oh, good for you. Carl, back to you. All right, Jim, thanks for that. Uh, so we're looking at uh, losses to start this uh, Thursday morning. Dow's down 120, and that's with a pretty sizable contribution from Boeing on the upside. We're back in just a minute. I think the BRT and other organizations will move very quickly and will not let up on this. Uh, I think our uh, employee bases demand it. Uh, I think society demands it. Uh, I think fundamental aspects of, uh, of fairness uh, and uh, the, the importance of opportunity uh, demands it. Let's uh, marshal our resources. Let's marshal our voices to make that happen. Arnie Sorensen of Marriott on Squawk earlier this morning. Uh, Jim, as we were saying a moment ago, if you're looking to corporate America for leadership on uh, racial injustice and inequality, it's not going to come just from one company like Marriott in that case. But Sorensen also very active at, uh, at the business roundtable, of course. And uh, we'll see if they do something collectively on health care or training or employment. Look, I, nothing would surprise me again. I come back and say that some of the best leadership in this country is from CEOs. 
uh, CEOs who do a lot to to uh, try to change, uh, try to use their their businesses as platforms for social change. And I think what a lot of us would say is a positive and not divisive way. The emphasis on being a divisive or not divisive after what General Mathis said last night. Those of us who revered General Mathis were quite taken aback by what he had to say. Yeah. Jim, you've pointed out uh, the differences between China's recovery and our ongoing recovery. And certainly Marriott's a uh, case study for how businesses, I, I don't know, do you say roaring back in China? But relative yes. to the United States, you could maybe say that. I remember seeing Arnie at the Super Bowl, uh, and he was telling me exactly how bad business was in China, all public information. And I was, I was, uh, I know that a lot of people know that Marriott is a, a great worldwide uh, business and that they had done uh, a big expansion in China. And it looks like it's paying off. And there's a lot of companies that in the last few weeks have been saying to me, you know, China is not just back, but roaring back. Uh, Alibaba, by the way, had really good numbers. Uh, and I know that Nike's having good numbers over there. We don't know about Apple right now. Uh, uh, Starbucks, Kevin Johnson has said the numbers are excellent. So there is a uh, there's a trade. Uh, it's a good one. The autos were fantastic, up 11 percent. Philip Bowes reported on that very well. Uh, no one's mentioned Tesla in the last 47 minutes. Tesla, I think, could have uh, a very good second half. They've got the Shanghai factory uh, without mentioning. T- if, if you haven't mentioned mentioned Tesla, then I, I think that maybe you become irrelevant and old. <laughs> it's been- been a couple of days. Uh, Guys, we'll take a quick break here. Uh, On the other side, though, got to get Jim's take on fixed income today as the 10-year is now yielding eight-tenths. We're back in just a moment. Well, it's official Vecto IQ. Remember that name? It was a special purpose acquisition corporation run by Steve Gursky. Uh, Then it acquired Nikola. And now it's official. Uh, Shareholders have voted. And it is now NKLA. You can see what the stock is doing. How about the company? Uh, We're going to be talking to its founder, its executive chairman as well, Trevor Milton, in the next hour of Squawk on the Street. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. Well, I can't I can't top Nikola, which will be the hottest stock today. But American Air is really talking about demand reviving. And again, I come back and say this is an industry that got oversold. Uh, and look, I don't mean to be too uh, critical, but Warren Buffett did pretty much sell uh, and create bottoms in these stocks. And American having much better uh, numbers, I think, is very good for America. It's very important that the airlines survive yeah, and they're doing it. And we're going to talk to Doug Parker in a little bit about not just the business, but the interaction he had with a flight attendant on a competing carrier in recent weeks. Jim, really quick, NDX all-time high, second day in a row. And then the 10-year at 80 basis points. We're seeing some stories already about the threat of stagflation uh, brewing slowly. Well, look, I think that uh, markets overshot to the downside. And now uh, when things are up uh, a fraction of what they used to be, people will pay up. Some industries just completely uh, have gone by the wayside, and yet people still want to buy the stocks, betting that things will be better. Um, It is amazing. The V is in the stock market, not in the economy. So tonight, Pelosi? 
Yeah. Uh, look, I want to talk about this, uh, the Chinese IPOs, another one coming, and, I, and the need maybe for state stimulus. Look, it's been great. The stimulus, it, it's been fantastic, but it might run out soon. We've got to find out about that. Shopify, one of the greatest stories ever. I urge people uh, to watch that one. That is also in keeping, by the way, with eBay and with Etsy, which is on fire. And then Smucker, are we at the end of the stay-at-home uh, trade? I don't know. But it does look like after Campbell's uh, and this one that maybe we got to get a little more aggressive and go with American and my favorite Southwest, Gary Kelly. Wow. Look at that horse. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.